I'm pastor is, yeah. Um, a great friend of ours, Scott Whaley, his wife is named June, and they are assistant pastors at the Foursquare Church in Kannapolis. Uh, Tim Newton, we're Tim Newton pastors. So glad to have you here. And you know how some people just leave uh, indelible marks on you that will never go away? Uh, ink, ink is one of those guys. When ink gets on you, he stays on you. And uh, we're glad that Ink and Beth are here. It's always good to see them. We've known them for years, years back, and uh, it's great. It's good to see all of our friends. I can't, I can't ignore my family, my awesome niece and nephew now. He's a great nephew, but I can't call him that because his son, their son is my great nephew. So I'm just going to say my nephew that's awesome, Eric. Married into the family, and he's so glad he's related to me. <laughs> and uh, we love them so much, so proud of them, what God's doing in their lives. And their three sons, uh, Jaden's here right now, but they got Eli and Everett, and we're believing for God to do miracles for Eli this week, too. God loves that young man, you know it. And uh, it's just great. And then, and then Jimmy, 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 I always refer to her. Hey, Dwayne, it's better late than never. You know, I love you, man. <laughs> I met with friends like me. Who needs Emonies? <laughs> the late? No. <laughs> but uh, where was I? Oh, Jimmy. My mom, uh, you know, she's been passed away now uh, and in heaven for seven years, just about, I think, seven. But when we were, she was visiting us here one year, and we took her out to uh, the seafood restaurant, uh, the place up on uh, the plaza, and uh, so I told mom and Helen, I said, man, I want to pay your bills. I, I, I'd be glad to pay. Well, my mom ordered a big time meal and I'm going, oh man, I hope I have enough. Well, wouldn't you know it? Jimmy was in there that night and she took the whole bill and paid it for us. God sent an angel. Thank you. Do you remember that? You paid our bill that night at the seafood restaurant. Do you remember that, Jimmy? No? <laughs> yeah. You paid my bill. <laughs> Me love you. <laughs> God help us. Let's get this thing going. Amen. <laughs> uh, we're going to start in just a moment in Daniel chapter 7. If you want to go there, Daniel 7, verse 21 and 22. I think we need to set a precedent here of an attitude uh, that's a very positive one that God wants you to live by and hold on to. And, and one thing is, you don't just win when you get out of here and get to heaven. God has always intended for you to win while you're here in the earth. Uh, God has no losers, and he wants us to begin to learn how to live in a winning attitude. Not cocky, but a winning attitude. Uh, we're more than conquerors. We don't even have to do the conquering. God's done all that for us. We get to live in the gravy of what God's done through Jesus Christ. One of our advantages is, and I want to say this carefully, and, and you don't want to use loose terms necessarily, but when it seems all hell comes against you and your house and against you personally and against your heart and your emotions and maybe even your body, when it seems all hell comes against you. One of the advantages of being a redeemed son and daughter of God is immediately all heaven is released for you. And you've got to understand that God's not trying to keep up with Satan. Satan's nowhere near God. In fact, I need to say this, and I really mean it in the right way. Um, Satan is not the opposite of God. To be opposite of God, he'd have to be on his level. Satan is the opposite of Michael, because Satan, by the way, Satan is a created being. 
And he, has no, he, he is not equal with God, and he, he has no omni in him. There's no omni power in Satan. He does not have all power. There's no omni, uh, omniscience. Uh, he, he does not know everything. Well, you got to be careful. Satan knows and reads your mind. He cannot read your mind. I'll tell you this right now. He cannot read your mind, but he can hear you speak out of your mind. He can hear the words you bring forth, and he can see the actions you do. And Satan is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. People talk about the devil in the world. He is not everywhere. I don't even know where he is tonight. I don't know where he is. He's not here. And he's not even near here. Yeah, but Brother John, there's a spirit of darkness over our church. No, there isn't a spirit of darkness over this church. Because darkness can't even hang around where light's going up. And you've got to understand, you've got that much pull with God as well. Even in Isaiah, the Bible says in Isaiah 54, 17, not only that no weapon formed against you will prosper, but it says even when the tongue of the enemy comes to judge you and condemn you, you have the power to condemn his tongue. See, y'all need to quit believing him and sulking in it and worrying about it. You need to condemn it. You speak right now, that lie is condemned by the Lord. It will not land in our house. It will not be effective here. And you may say, well, I don't have that much faith. It doesn't require faith. It requires you to believe that the word of God is true. See, God makes it so easy for us, we don't even have to use faith for half of our victory. Because Jesus has accomplished it. And, and see, Satan has, Debbie, Satan has some power. But most of the power he has, even in our lives, is what we give him. We give him power. You see, when you believe the liar, you empower the liar. And I'm amazed at how many people will come to me and say, Brother John, the devil's been talking to me, and the devil's been speaking this, and the devil's been threatening us, the devil's been challenging. And, and I'm saying, uh, excuse me, why are you listening to him? He's a liar. He's the father of lies. There's no truth in him. And if you start believing the lie, you'll act like it. You'll submit to it. You're actually empowering the one that has no power. See, I know Satan has some power, but listen to me carefully. He has absolutely no authority over you or over this church. Why do I say that? I say that because Jesus said, if Jesus spoke the truth, Jesus said, all power and all authority have been given to me. See, even when you sin, and, and I'm not a sloppy agape person, you need to repent. You need to feel, God, God doesn't allow Christians to feel good when they're sinning. I can promise you that. You'll be a miserable Christian. You will be a Christian, but you'll be miserable if you sin. But see, it's not Satan's business to harass you and attack you even when you sin. Now, you do open the door. Because rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, which simply means if you're going to rebel against God and disobey his word and, and have wrong relationships while you're still wanting to go to heaven, then what you're doing is coming out from under the umbrella of God's protection and you're exposing yourself to the dark powers. But wouldn't you know it, many people that go there blame God that Satan's attacking them. And God's saying, get back over here and he won't attack you. Stay under the shelter of my umbrella through obedience and communion with me. And see, Satan does not have uh, all authority. He has no authority because Jesus has authority and has, been, has given it to us. So God, help us to believe tonight that we already have great advantages over the enemy. And the message that the Lord drilled in my heart for several days now for this church to start this thing off with, and, and, and I know we should have another 30 people here, but the, you know what? Uh, the gospel is contagious. Once you catch it tonight and you believe it, you'll, you'll infect somebody else with it if that's a good word. Maybe affect is better. But see, instead of catching their uh, uh, depression and, and their doomsday uh, when you touch them, you won't catch what they have. They'll catch what you have. Because you've got the real word. You've got the power. You've got the greater one in you. 
Quit quit feeling like you're subject to this world. Even when we fight against the enemies of God, we are not lesser than they. We're not subordinate to them. We're over them. There's not an enemy in this world that you don't have power over right now. And I thank God for that. And, and, and the Lord wants you to begin to understand that tonight and, and live in a new dimension of who you are. But see, I, I, I believe with all my heart that the Lord, that this is the year, Pastor David, and for this church, for your ministry, for your personal family, for you personally, this is a year where God has such a desire to, to, to bless us, the apple of his eye. You are the apple of his eye. He does not despise you. He's not ashamed of you. He's not angry with you. He's not mad at you. He, he's not embarrassed by you. Of course he doesn't like it that there's sin in your life. Of course he doesn't like it when you fail. Of course he doesn't like it when you don't believe him and you move into doubt and fear and unbelief and, and begin to be uh, uh, hassled by the enemy. Of course God doesn't like it, but he never does not like you. He loves you. And he loves you tonight so much. And one of the things I know about my Father in heaven is that in, in the last days, and I want to tell you people, we're there. I mean, this is an ugly time. And it's going to get uglier as far as the worldview. I mean, it's going to get uglier. You, you can't hide your head in the sand. We're not ostriches. In fact, ostriches don't really do that anyway. I don't know where that myth came from. But we can't hide our head in the sand. And neither do we need to do that because I'm not walking on the sand. I'm walking on the rock. Try to hide your head on the rock. You, it could be dangerous. <laughs> but see, you need to understand something tonight. That God has chosen us to be his prime example of all the days of history. Now think about this. All the people in the Bible... He blessed them. He met their needs. He provided for them. He healed them. Man, he delivered them from diseases. Of all the people in the Bible, the last day church is the favorite of God. Well, why, Brother John? We certainly don't deserve it. It isn't about what you deserve. It's about what God has ordained for the last days. Why do you think Joseph's father loved him more than the others? It wasn't so much that Joseph was the best kid in the world. The reason he loved him, the Bible said he loved Joseph more than the rest because he was the son of his old age. He was the son that at that point he thought would be his last son. And I want to tell you something. We're the sons of God's old age. How many know God's old? <laughs> He's older than dirt. Whoever you said was older than dirt, you lied. Only God is older than dirt. <laughs> Satan's not even older than dirt. And so, God, I want to thank you. We're the sons and daughters of your old age. This is the last age, people. I can't tell you God's coming in five years or three years, but I'll tell you this. We're in the last age right now. Of humanity in the earth. God's about to change this whole thing. And it's going to be miraculous and awesome. And you're a part of it. You need not fear that. If you're fearing God coming back while you're asleep. Because you're not right. Then you need to get right. Because <laughs> whether you're asleep or not. We're going with God. Hallelujah. I'm so glad about that. I'm glad the rapture has to do with God's power. Not ours. Because people that are late. They'd be late for the rapture. And I don't know if God has a door for late people. You know what I'm saying? But thank God it's his energy and we're all going to make it on time. You won't be able to say, I didn't think you'd make it. You're always like, no, they're there. They might be there waiting on you. <laughs> say, welcome. <laughs> but God, we thank you that we're the children of your delight. Daniel 7, 21, uh, verse 21 and 22. Daniel in this vision that he's having. Oh, what an awesome vision. And by the way, every time Daniel mentions saints, he's not talking about people after the, after the tribulation. He's talking about us. He's talking about us right now in this day, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. 
See, even people that give their life over to God, maybe after the, 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 the day of tribulation, if, if, if people can't even do that, uh, they're not going to be saints. We're saints because we've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah to God. But watch this. He says uh, in verse 21, I was watching, and the same horn, the enemy of, of, our, of the nation, was making war against the saints. And he was prevailing against them. Now, Daniel is actually seeing our day. He's seeing the day after Jesus Christ died on the cross. But can you imagine what he would say if he saw it in the year 2018 right now? How many Christians are being uh, hassled and prevailed on and assailed by the enemy of God? Simply because they say, I love Jesus. See, saints, listen to me carefully. You've got to mean it if you're going to say you love Jesus these days. Because there's an enemy of God that will attack you just because you say it. But see, you need to do Second, uh, 1 Timothy 2.19 where it says, Let everyone who ever says that they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, let them depart from all evil because God has a seal on us. I thank God for that. Verse 22, until the Ancient of Days came. The Ancient of Days, who is that? That's Jesus Christ. So now Daniel's not even prophesying about the, something about Jesus after the tribulation. He's prophesying about Jesus now in this day. He came and lived and died on the cross. He is the ancient of days. He's the one that has no barrier, no time zone. He is past, present, future all the time. He always has been. Isn't that amazing? That's why some of you that are waiting on a miracle and you're frustrated because you don't think God's bringing it quick enough, you've got to understand Jesus, God, and Holy Spirit live in the future as well. Uh, real soon, brother, real soon, God's going to reach into the future and bring a promise back to your present that you've been waiting on. He's going to bring it back into your dimension and let you enjoy it. That's what I know about God. He's got promises waiting on me, but some of them, brother, he's going to bring back and put in my life now while I'm here in this earth. I thank God for that. We don't have to wait to heaven to get everything. You know what I'm saying? That I want to so try to deplete God on all his grace and his gifts and his stuff that he don't have much left by the time I get to heaven. I said, boy, good thing Jesus came when he did. <laughs> Until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made. What? In favor. You need to get that in your heart tonight. I want you to quit thinking God's mad at you, angry at you, frustrated at you, disappointed in you. Of course, he, he grieves and he's brokenhearted when you sin. He grieves when you yield to a temptation. And instead of believing God for purity, you yield to something impure. It, it breaks God's heart when you fear and worry. It breaks God's heart when you're prejudiced and you call other races of people by names or you're angry at them all the time. It breaks God's heart. But I want you to know something. This is the day of his favor. And a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. Why? Because it's time for the saints to take and possess the kingdom. God's been dealing with this church about not just having great services and getting healed over and over and over and getting delivered over and over and over and blessing each other over and over and over. That's wonderful that you can do that. But somewhere it's got to leave these doors and start blessing the world that don't even know Jesus. See, it, it, it's not right for us to, to keep the Holy Spirit on house arrest. Amen. Keep him tied up to the Abundant Life Foursquare Church family inside the building. It's time to let him go through us. Amen? And so it says here that, that it's time for the saints to possess the kingdom. Now listen carefully. There's a verse, and this might not be on PowerPoint. Hannah, I love you so much. Hannah is like an angel. You know that, don't you? Her mom doesn't say it that about her all the time, but I do. <laughs> But in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 60, you can tell I'm feeling good tonight, can't you, brother? Yeah. In Isaiah 63, verse 4, uh, it just says this, God speaking to you. Now listen carefully and take it personally. God saying, Cheryl and Wayne, for this there is vengeance in my heart, saith God. The day of vengeance is inside of me. 
we don't like that word because most Christians don't understand the vengeance of God. You, you, you compare vengeance to anything that's a retaliation and, and, and a punishment or something. This vengeance isn't against you. Daniel already prophesied it. This judgment's in favor of you. There's a God, Becky, who has vengeance. And, she's about, and he's about to uh, take that vengeance out on your enemies. I don't know what's been bothering you. I don't know how many people in your family have been sick. I don't know what kind of diseases have lingered for years. I don't know what kind of uh, dysfunctionalism and emotional disturbance and mental problems have been in your family. All I know is I sense with all my heart that God's about to unload a new dimension of divine favor that's going to deal with that stuff. And he's going to take vengeance on your enemy. And he's going to embarrass and humiliate the enemy right in front of you. And how's he going to do it? Not by stepping on his head and slapping him and choking him. He's going to do it by blessing you. He's going to do it by healing you. He's going to do it by answering your prayers. The greatest vengeance God has is not against the devil. It's in behalf of his saints. And I love that. And God's about to come to this church in a new form of vengeance. And he's about to have vengeance against the kingdoms of darkness and the wicked powers that have even tried to harass and deceive and distort and take away from this church and, 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 and crush this church. God's about to take a divine vengeance against all that. And God's about to cause this church to move forward. Not by your energy or your inertia. It's not by self-made. Let's all get together and make this thing happen. God's about to do something in here that's totally supernatural. And you're just going to flow in it. Let it happen, God. Let it happen. And he says, not only is vengeance in my heart, but watch the rest of that verse. It says, for this is the year of my redeemed. Brother, you're redeemed. I I love you. That guy, every time I see him, he reminds me of a man that loves Jesus so much, he don't know what to do about it. The guy with the beard right there. What's your first name? Yeah, Matt. God bless you. Golly, Bill, Matthew. (laughs) Matt, this is the day where God's going to cause this to be a year of special favors for you and your family. And some of that has to do with total miraculous healings and not just progressive healing. God, I thank you today. You never forget us. God hasn't been up there with his little report card watching how you struggle through these trials. In fact, I've got to say something to you. God's ready to, make, to, to put an end to the trial part of it and bring a, a beginning of the triumph part of it. Hear this, and I, I should be careful with this. And, Pastor, I haven't filtered this out through many pastors because who, who knows? But I think I'll start with you. But God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, you know I made all these promises about the covenant, and I'm going to bless you with all these people, and I'm going to bless you with all these riches. And he said, don't be so discouraged because it hadn't happened yet. And watch what God says to him. I wish I could remember the scripture. It's there. But he said, for the, the sin of the Moabites has not been completed yet. God, what are you talking about? Sometimes God may allow something that's not right to fully develop so that when you get what's right, it will be so great you'll never not be thankful for it. Sometimes God has to allow even promises to sit for a while and you think he's letting the enemy by with something. But I'm going to tell you, there comes a day where God says, that cup's full, enemy, you will stop now. It's time for the miracles to come. I want some of y'all to get ready for that because that's real close to you right now. Real close to you. I thank God he doesn't get any joy in watching his saints suffer. But man, does it bring him joy when he brings things to you and you start rejoicing like never before. And you don't have any sulky parties anymore. But it's going to be some kind of relationship with God from this day out. Lord, do your stuff. 
in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, and I'm just going to uh, kind of paraphrase it. It, it. I I find that I can do better if I just paraphrase it, because if I read it, I'll start get, putting in a lot of theology and doctrine, and you don't need that tonight. You need to get home before midnight. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, brother? Amen. He's going, that's right, brother John. <laughs> and I'll remind you. <laughs> That song, Going Walking After Midnight, don't apply here. (laughs) We want to be sleeping before midnight. In that verse, it says that uh, all these anointings are ours, for the Spirit of the Lord God has come upon me, and he's anointed me to heal. He's anointed me to deliver. He's anointed me to heal. He's anointed me to set people free that are in bondage. By the way, you should never read that verse, never, as a Christian, it doesn't matter whether you ever went to Bible college. It has nothing to do with it. You should never read Luke 4, 18 and 19 without realizing that you have that same anointing. It's not just a Jesus anointing. We all have it. Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. And by going to the Father, I send my spirit back. And he comes and lives in you and he brings this same anointing in you. But then he says this word in, in 19. He says, for the Lord has anointed me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What a powerful verse. What does that mean? In Isaiah, there's, there's a verse just like it in Isaiah, but in, when you look at it in the context of Isaiah, it doesn't quite mean the same. In Isaiah, when he says um, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, he's saying if this is the year where God wants to set you free from all your debts. Amen. How many of you be glad just for that one? Amen. Anybody got debts in here you'd like to see God supernaturally pay? Well, see, that's, the, that's Old Testament, man. Get on over here to the New Testament. My goodness, son. Quit spending God's money before you have it. Maybe that'll help you. Know. <laughs> I'm not a good financial counselor. You, you can tell I'll go to the juggler vein, and, <laughs> and then you'll need more money <laughs> just to get over what I said to you. <laughs> but what it says in Luke 4:19, it's different when Jesus stands up. And he says, for the Lord has anointed me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It means the year of extraordinary divine favors. I look at some of you here and I love you for your faithfulness. Jimmy, I love you for your faithfulness. But there comes a time where God wants to unload some favors on us because we've stayed true to him. Many of you could have quit on God. You had trials. Some of us, we made our own trials through, through wrong decisions and rebellion. But even so, we, 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 we still would not leave Jesus. And many of us have gone through trials that came against us. And yet you still say you love Jesus. And Jesus is the kind of Lord that says, if you stay with me, I want to bless you. He said that in Luke twenty-two, twenty-eight. 28. He says, you're those that, that stayed with me in my trials. See, the trials you guys have been going through, you think it's because of your marriage. You think it's because you failed. You think it's because of the government. You think because somebody hurt you in your past. Jesus says, quit thinking of them as your trials. Because I love you, I always attach myself to you. Anything you go through, it's me going through it. And he says in that verse, thank you that you haven't quit on me in my trials. And because you haven't, I will now give you the same kingdom that my father gave me. And you will now sit at my table with me. And you will rule instead of being ruined. Jesus, let that favor come in this place tonight. In Psalm 30, verse 5 and 7, it says this. I love these verses about favor. And some, some Christians, because they, they, they move in, in their trauma or in their dilemma, they sometimes move into a religious spirit and they get it backwards. 
Psalm 30, verse 5, for his anger is but for a moment. Some of y'all think God's been angry at you a long time. It's impossible because God, God's anger only lasts a moment. And then you'll cop out and say, well, you know, with God, a minute is at the thousand years. So he, he, he still got 600 years to be angry with me. Don't do that to God. He knows how to interpret his own word. <laughs> his anger is just for a moment, but his favor, get this, his favor, sis, is for life. God, isn't it only for the part of my life where I've been so good and I've fasted and I've prayed and I go to church and I hadn't cursed, I hadn't done bad things? No, my favor is still on you even when your life isn't so right. It's not a sloppy God that lets you live like you want because when the favors of God come on you, you will be ashamed to sin. If you ever really know the favors of God, you won't get this religious spirit saying, well, I better not sin because God will punish me. No, the reason I don't sin now is because God loves me so much. I don't want to hurt my father. There's a big difference. There's power in that kind of uh, relationship with God. He says his favor is for life. And then in verse 7 of that chapter, Lord, by your favor, by your favor, you have caused my mountain to stand. Whoever you are, your, your person, your, your, your nature, your character, the real you, if you'll believe in God tonight, he says, I have favor for you so that you won't crash, you won't crumble, you won't dissolve. Even the greatest earthquake can come, you'll still stand. God, I want to thank you for the favor of God. Listen, a favor is something God gives you. You don't earn it, you don't deserve it. And I'll, honestly, let's go the other way. You can't disown, disearn it. That's what I thank God for. Now, I cannot uh, live in it and throw it away and not use it. That's why God says, don't receive the grace of God in vain. You can have the grace of God on you and, 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 and not receive it and believe it, and you'll live just like you don't have it. But just because you live like you don't have it doesn't mean you don't have it. And favor, brother, is on you the rest of your life. You can't get rid of it. You can't wash it off. You can't get it off. God, I want to thank you. Your favor will follow me. David says, if I go into hell, your favor's there with me. If I make my bed in heaven through pride and arrogance and I exalt myself, God, mm, there's your favor again. God, your favor's everywhere. I thank you, God, that you love us. And we are your favorites. You know, if God were siding up to play a ball game between him and the devil, he would choose you first. You'd be on the first team. You wouldn't be a bench warmer. Some of y'all never got chosen first. Well, they always chose me last. And then the last one said, okay, I'll take her. <laughs> That's your story. Are you sticking to it? No, you're letting go of it. That's my story, and I'm not sticking to it. <laughs> Amen. Thanks for, uh, thanks for that input right there. That was just valuable. <laughs> it was. Proverbs 16, 15. Look at this. I, I just want to pump you with some verses that show you tonight God means business about this favor thing. And this is something he gives to you only because he loves you, not because you deserve it or earn it. In the light of the king's face, Proverbs 16, 15, in the light of the king's face is life. I want some of y'all to get used to going to Jesus and not always coming back saying, well, he condemned me and he was ashamed of me. I don't know what Jesus you're going to, but it's the wrong one. You know, even in the Old Testament, Moses went before God after he broke all 10 commandments. Moses broke all 10 of them at once. I usually only break one or two a week. <laughs> But Moses goes before God, and Moses had just killed a man. Oh, it was, it was murder. And yet he's standing before God that could consume him and swallow him in the earth or consume him with fire. And as he stood before God, this holy God, 
never had this condemning spirit in his face toward Moses. I want you to get used to going to a Lord Jesus that understands your future so much that he has no reflection of everything that was so bad in your past. A Lord Jesus that loves giving you a whole new start. And he doesn't look at your badness and he doesn't look at what's happened to you. And some of you say, I wish he'd look at the badness somebody did to me. And you've got to understand, Jesus loves you so much he won't even do that either. Because he's going to heal it all. In the, in the face of our king, there's life, not death. And then it says, and Lord, by your favor. No, I mean, no, it says, and his favor is like the clouds of the latter rain. I don't know what you understand about the latter rain. They had a movement in the um, uh, early 1900s, and boy, it was powerful. Pentecost, in fact, that's where we came from, out of that movement. Foursquare was birthed out of all that. And they called it the latter-day rains. But see, that's not true. It was latter-day from where they were, but this is, we're, we're about to enter into the latter-day rain. It's going to be greater than any rain that's ever rained on the earth, spiritually speaking. And you need to get ready for that. And the latter-day rains is about to come, brother, on behalf of God's people that have been in a drought, been dried, depleted, famished, just tired and weary. But God, I pray for a rain to come on this church in a new way this year. I know we always pray for fire, but I think you need rain. I think you need the rain of God's spirit, the rain of God's blessings, the rain of God's gifts, the rain of God's favors. And Lord, I, I, I proclaim tonight as a prophetic voice for you that that's coming to this church in this season. That you love blessing this church with the rain. In fact, there's a verse, Zechariah 10.1. It's a funny verse to me. Zechariah 10.1 says this, Pastor. It says, uh, the best time to pray for rain is when it's raining. I'm paraphrasing it a little bit, but that's what it says. He says, pray for the rain while you're in the latter-day rain. God does not get nervous because you ask him for more while you're getting something. God wishes that you would do that. He wishes that you'd quit uh, making little memorial gifts out of one or two things he gives you. you. When you do that, you're calling him a cheap God. God says, not only will I bless you with what I'm blessing you with now, I want you to believe me and ask me for more blessings while I'm blessing you. I'm not a selfish God. I'm an all-giving God. If you let me do it, I would pour so many blessings on you, you couldn't even open, you couldn't even handle them. God, forgive us that we've made you some kind of stingy God that puts us on rations. Because, God, you've got more than we need. We're never going to have a drought of water, not spiritually, because God is the water. And, Lord, thank you for blessing us with abundance beyond our ability or capacity to even hold it, God. You know, if you want to know the truth... uh, in the story of the prodigal son, I don't think the son was so much prodigal. I know he ran away and he spent his money, he wasted his money, and that's sort right. Of, I think the father was prodigal. Prodigal doesn't mean runaway, prodigal means one who wastes. Do you know God's wasted thousands of times of mercy and grace and blessings on us that we never even use? And he says, you know what? I'm still going to give them some more. God is a wasteful God when it comes to the fact that he will bless you to make sure you're not blessed. To make sure you're never not blessed. Amen. <laughs> God loves you. Amen. And God, I want to thank you. You're not selfish. I know when I go to Ryan's, or, or now it's Golden Corral, 
Oh, hallelujah for the golden corral. I hope there's one up there, the, the corral in heaven. Woo! But no fried foods. But when I go to Golden Corral, you'd think I'd learn by now at my age, I, could, I can go back again. But there's something about men. Us men, we pile it up. We try to make a castle out of five pieces of chicken. Well, the chicken's going to be there when you go back, brother. I've been walking back to my table, my poor wife watching me. She's going, oh, my goodness, please sit at another table. <laughs> And two pieces of chicken will just fall off. I mean, I think they had wings. It must have been the flippers. I wasted it. But you know what? Golden Corral came. One of those ladies came and said, Sir, don't worry about that. We got plenty more. So they didn't consider it wasted. And God doesn't consider it wasted that he pours blessings on us, Lisa, and more and more and more, and we don't even know how to appreciate it half the time, and we don't even tell him thank you half of the time, and yet God says, you know what, I've got some more for you. If God could, he would bless you out of your stress. Father, thank you for favor. I want to say this in kind of a prophetic release to the church and also to every one of you. But in Leviticus 26, verse 9 and 10, basically the Lord's saying, Pastor, for this is a time of favor where God's going to bring favor upon you. And he's going to bring miracles and harvest. He's going to bring the last harvest and the first harvest and the middle harvest and put all those harvests together. And he says, and I'm also going to bring and establish my covenant with you. Watch this. He didn't say you had to establish it with God. See, some of y'all getting into this teaching where if you don't keep your part of the covenant, and I, I, I totally believe you should. I believe it's wrong for you to not love God enough to keep your part of a covenant. But I want to tell you something. God didn't cut the covenant with you. He cut it with Jesus Christ. And that's why the covenant is still intact even when you mess up because Jesus Christ doesn't mess up. And he, give, he covers you with his blood. God says, you know what? I can still bless them. Can I, Jesus? He said, yes, you can because they have my blood over them. But God's about to bring the covenant to you. And brother, I'm going to tell you something. The fruitfulness of the last day and the, and the harvest and the reign of God is about to come to this church. Leviticus 26, verse 9 and 10. That's your verse. The verse for this church. Father, I want to thank you. Help me just get through a little more of this. We might wind up doing this two nights in a row then. Because the favor of God is hard to, hard to conceal into one night. And I don't think y'all want to be here as long as it would take. <laughs> But God, let favor come upon these people. To want through those of you here that have been too weak and not able to handle a situation because your mind and your emotions and your way of thinking won't let you move into the supernatural realm of it. To those of you who feel like the enemy has somehow gained ground on you and thrown you back, I want you to know that's why God wants to bring you favor. Lisa, God wants to bring favor to your house. The favors that's going to just erase everything that's made it a strain or a pain to even be a Christian. The day will come where all of you in this building that will let God do it. You won't say, boy, it's tough being a Christian. It's not tough being a Christian. Not when you let God bless you like he wants to bless you. You know that God wants to make last day examples out of you. Some people hear that in a religious spirit say, yeah, he's been making an example out of me. Look at what I've been going through. And he's been whipping me and he's been letting me go through this problem. And people misquote that scripture all the time. You know, at least the Lord won't let you go. He said he won't put more on you than you can bear. There's no scripture that says that. There's no scripture that says that. 
He didn't say he put it on you. He said he won't even allow you to go through something you can't bear. He didn't say he put it on you. He doesn't put sickness on people. He doesn't make you lose money. He doesn't make your family be rebellious. He doesn't kill some of your family members that you were praying for. No, no, no. We've got to understand something. We've got to sanctify the Lord God, Peter says. Sanctify the Lord God in your own heart. Keep him in the right place in your heart so you can believe him for whatever you need at that moment. See, if you believe God makes people sick to teach them a lesson, you'll never, uh, you'll never believe for divine healing because after all, if God makes you sick, why would you want to be healed? If you believe God uh, enjoys seeing families torn apart and husbands and wives uh, losing their life together, uh, you know, you're very confused. That's not God. But our God is here. And he wants to bring back everything that the enemy stole. You know, Mal uh, Vicky, it's so good to see you. Give my love to Wayne and tell him next time I see him, I don't want him to smart off at me. I want him to hug me first, then smart off. <laughs> Wayne and I have this relationship, and it's, it's very strange and wonderful. And I'm wonderful, and he's strange. <laughs> no, that's not true. Don't record that. Because <laughs> he'll come back. He can get me. <laughs> Malachi 3.18 says this. For the day will come where the Lord will make a difference between people who love God and people who don't love God. And he'll make a difference between people who serve God and people who don't serve God. Now, us Pentecostals, you can ask Beth, she's been in this movement a long time with me. Us Pentecostals, we used to think we could make the difference by how we dressed. We were pretty legalistic. I'm not loose today. I mean, I, I'm appalled at some of the liberalism that's in the body of Christ today. Some of the things people say, it's okay, God, don't care if we do that. Uh, don't be deceived. Don't be, yeah, God does care. But I want you to know something. The Bible says he wants to make a difference between us, not by our piety and our holy actions and our rules and regulations and how we dress and what we say and where we don't go. He wants to make a difference by how much he blesses you and empowers you and uses you in a powerful anointing. He makes a difference by the world saying, you know what, if we serve their God, we'd get those blessings too. Some of your neighbors don't even want to serve God because they see you with the same attitude they have when something goes wrong. God, come heal us tonight. I want all my neighbors. I've got several of them jealous for, of us, several, but there's one or two that aren't quite jealous enough. The sin of the Moabites isn't full yet in their life. But God, I want all of our neighbors to be so jealous of what we have in Jesus that they start asking us, how can I get that? How can I get that? I want the people that I work with, those of you who work with, you, you know, it's not right for you to get with them and, and chew the boss up just because you've had a frustrating day. They're never going to want Jesus if, if you do the same thing they do. God, heal us and let us know what a favored people we are. And I want you to know something. God's about to bring a difference in your life this season, sis. This season, this season, that's going to be so awesome that even some of your relatives that have mocked you, scoffed you, made fun of you, ridiculed you, and, and, and come against you, they're going to repent and ask you, will you help us know this Jesus you know? See, it, it, we can't browbeat them anymore. You can't ask God to send fire down on them. He doesn't do that anyway. I've had mom say, would you pray the Lord send fire down on my son? I said, no. It sounds like fire's already on you. You don't win people to the Lord by sending fire down on them. You win people to the Lord by putting a fire under them. Say, hey, this is what the Holy Ghost can do. 
When you show people what God can do, it's like increasing a, a, a flame of need, I'll say. A fire starts uh, developing in their life, and they want this Jesus you have because you're showing them so much goodness. The fire of God in them says, Who? I need that. Lord, bring this church to this place. It'll save you from marketing. And I'm not against going out door to door, leaving leaflets and all that, but I can promise you this, only one uh, thousandth of a person comes to church because you left leaflets on their door. It don't work very good. And not many people get saved when you throw, uh, you're going to go to hell tracks over the bathroom door stall. They don't get saved there either. There's got to be a better way than trying to scare people into their salvation. And that is let God bless you. Jessica, let God so bless you. Quit thinking that you're the exception to the rule and that he's at least putting up with you and, and he'll tolerate you. No, no, no. You're the apple of his eye. He so loves you. He knows what's gone on in the past. He knows what you uh, went through. He knows what's going on now. But see, his love isn't based on the circumstantial evidences that are around us. His love is based on the covenant blood that his son gave. And his son said, Jesus, she is one of the candidates to be blessed the rest of her life. And God says, I agree. Don't, don't get in God's face and tell him he chose the wrong one. God, you bless me all you want to and more. I love this verse. Psalm 5, verse 12. Surely, Lord, you always bless the righteous and you surround them with favor like a shield. I don't know why you think that sometimes God, you have to pray to God, well, he's up there, he's not far, I can't get my prayers to go through the ceiling. Why are you praying through the ceiling? That's not how you pray. Do you know that God's not above the ceiling? Do you know where God is? He's in you. No, he's in you. Yeah, he is everywhere, but he's in you. See, that's why you've got to understand this. Don't, don't go Old Testament on me uh, in the sense that Daniel, well, Brother John, you know Daniel prayed and, and the, the wicked one hindered his prayers for 21 days. And that's true. But Daniel didn't have Jesus. The prince of Persia and whatever other kind of prince you want to name that's against you, they can't decode your prayers. They can't intercept your prayers. They can't mess with your prayers because you're not praying through the air. Brother, even when I, and sometimes my old line theology makes me go, oh God, up in heaven, how great thou art. And, all that. and we know that. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And we know that. But the Bible says, greater is he who is in me, Kevin. Greater is he who is in me. And the Spirit of God is in me. And so when I pray, it's spirit to spirit, spirit to spirit. There's no room for a demonic power to get in between that and stop anything. And counteract God. Father, let us know we're the New Testament saints of the living God. Born again by the blood of Jesus. And we have been qualified to have our prayers answered. Boom. God, let favor come on this place tonight. Some of you think. And it's too bad you listen to Helen Reddy and Joe Not Reddy or whatever. Helen Reddy used to sing. It's you and me against the world. Don't ever get in that boat. Well, Brother John, you know, I'm in the boat all by myself. Nobody's in the boat with me. Do you know Jesus walks on water and he can get in your boat? Mm -hmm. And do you know that he's already in your boat? Mm 
He'd rather be in your boat than in your face. And when storms come, Lisa, storms do come. Let's don't play games, right? Storms come. You've gone through some this last year, horrendous ones. But by God's grace and mercy, Jesus inside of me is the one who has power and authority over all nature, over everything in life. And I call you to stand up in who you are today and speak the peace that you are to this storm. And may it stop today. Some of y'all going out buying rubber boots and raincoats and boats and umbrellas just in case. (laughs) And Jesus said, man, you won't need that. I can let you walk on the water just like I did, Peter. Lord, let us know. The verse says, and I'm going to correct it a little bit, and please don't get angry at me, but King James, sometimes he needed a little help like all of us. Paul and Silas did not use the King James Version, by the way. I heard somebody say, it was good for Paul and Silas, and it's good enough for me. Give me that old King James Version. Give me that old King... No, 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 no. Now, I like King James Version. Don't don't be getting mad. Don't get religious. But I want to tell you something. In this particular scripture, Romans 8, 31, he doesn't quite do it justice when he says, if... Because I want to tell you something. Once you receive Jesus Christ in your life, there is no if. You need to be saying, since God is for me. Since God is for me, who can be against me? Who? Add up all the demons of hell. Add up all the religious zealots in this earth. Add up all the wicked People who are in all cult and witchcraft, put them all together, let them start speaking against you. They cannot effectively be against you because one person is for you. I think you need to start worshiping and thanking and praising and appreciating that one person who's really for you than to worry about all those things that are against you. Even Elisha's servant said that to him when he got up that day and was going to make the coffee for everybody and he looks around and he sees thousands of enemy soldiers and he goes and wakes up Elisha he says uh oh come out here and of course that might be where we got the little Christmas carol do you see what I see <laughs> I don't know but he says what are we going to do master prophet father and the father says what we're going to do is quit looking at them we're going to start looking at who God sent and he goes over and touches that young man's eyes. And we can't get mad at that young man. Thank God there's people like that in the Bible that help us understand God will help us too. But he touches that guy's eyes and he says, you know what? From this moment on, may you start seeing how God sees. And one of the ways to see how God sees is to quit worrying about your life. See, that's the problem with most Americans. We even use faith now. They, all this faith, word faith, extreme, extreme. Hear me carefully. But they use it to bring benefits to them because basically they're afraid. And God, I don't want to be one of those kind of people that have to, everything that you do has to be for me. Let me trust you with me. And let me have my eyes open. And I'll start seeing that those that are for me are a thousand times more than all of them that are against me. And let me ask you to do this. In order to fully live in the privilege of that verse, 
Don't be like the rich young ruler that had 99% right and 1% wrong. You've got to also quit seeing yourself as against you. Brother, I can promise you with me and you mostly, our, our main challenges is when we get down on ourselves. and We don't believe in us. And I want to see that this God that is for me is even greater than me that sometimes is against me. I want you to let God heal that part of your life that always thinks in that direction. Well, this is what we've had this all our life and our family and you know, I'll always be this way. In fact, some of us hold on to bad parts of our personality. See, strong personality is good if you don't beat people with it. I've had people come to me, especially the motivated. I'm a prophet and I can't help it. I just got to bash them. I said, no, no, that's, that's not the gift. That's the curse of the gift. See, anytime you use a gift out of, out of uh, your own uh, flesh or pride, that's not the gift. That's the curse of it. We want the gift side of it, right? So God wants us to be prophetic, but he doesn't want us to beat people up with it. And so God, tonight as we pray, and I'm going to ask you to stand. Man, you guys must be good because I never cut a message off. <laughs> but I'm glad to do it tonight because I feel like this is the time. I want the Holy Spirit to come into this place and even for some of us that were raised up in some of the culture that we were even spiritually I want the Holy Spirit to erase the part of that that causes you to feel like you have to earn or work for something from God and that he's only pleased with you when you do good stuff he's never pleased about what I do if it's wrong but I don't think God ever took his pleasure off of me as a son and I'm just being as honest to you as I can. There are several times in my life as a teenager and even after Bible college where sinful things happened. But never once did God ever threaten me and say, son, I'm not, I'm leaving you. If anything, he came closer to me and said, I won't let you continue down that path. Guys, I want to tell you, Brother Wayne, God's for you. Annette, God is for you, huh? Allie, my, one of my favorite nieces in the world, the favorite niece I have in, in uh, Mooresville area. I don't think I have another one here, do I? I better be careful. <laughs> but you know what? You already know that God's always been for you, even when you weren't so much for you and other people weren't so much for you. All I know is if God's for me, why are you going to waste your time being against me? Because it ain't going to work. Before this week's over, I'm asking God to increase your understanding and ability to believe that you have more power in your life for the rest of your life till Jesus comes than you've ever had before. And there's something about God that says, because you're mine and you'll call me your Lord, I will back up what you say with supernatural evidence. Brother John, I'm afraid to pray for the people to get healed. What if they don't get healed? That's not your problem. Your problem is if you don't pray for them. 
Do you know that a lot of you would have been healed of diseases right now had you started praying for other people to get healed? Don't let your sickness stop you from being a healer in Jesus' name. You know, we don't heal anybody. I tried to heal my pet dog one time. He said, and killed over. That don't work. But when Jesus heals, and I want some of us here today, brother, to realize that today, this week, God's going to turn our lives around in such a way that our whole life's going to be different starting tonight. I, I, I heard the Lord say that some of you that have been under severe pressure for years, pressure, some of it you put on yourself, but some of it other people have put on you. Churches can put pressure on you if you're not careful. Scott, this year, the Lord says, instead of you being under pressure, he's going to turn it and you're going to be applying the pressure. How many of you would love to apply the pressure to the devil instead of him applying pressure to you? Get ready because that, that's about to happen to you. God's about to prove to you, well, Brother John, what if I can't believe it? This has nothing to do with your belief. I'm trying to tell you something tonight. There's a sovereign God that's ready to so anoint and bless his church that even people that don't believe it are going to wind up doing it until they believe it. And, and, And the cool thing would be this, if you quit looking around the church, and I don't think anybody in here is that way and say, you know, they won't get that, but I will. You're going to be shocked at how the people that you least believe can be blessed and powerful are going to excel. I can't wait to see it all. See, my little great-nephew is, how old are you now, 15? Yeah, I, you know, I wanted to give you one up so you'll still love me. Now, if it was a girl, you go one down. See, you know the difference, don't you? One up on the guys, one down on the girls. They say a man is wise to never forget his wife's birthday, but he's more wise never to remember which one. So. <laughs> but see, my, my little nephew right there, I already see anointings of God and power of God and a destiny of God in his life. I see a future for him that has nothing to do with trying to somehow counteract and become better than, than the past that he maybe uh, saw. I, I just see God's hand on Jaden's life in a supernatural way. Jaden will be one of the prophets of the Lord in the days to come. And there'll be miracles uh, that happen through him and to him. I'm not doing that because he's my nephew. I'm doing that because the Lord said to do it. See, it's going to be more than the Blackmans and the Jenkins and we all were in ministry. and Something powerful on your son that's going to go beyond what we ever did. And, And by the way, you haven't hindered it at all, sis. You hadn't hindered. If anything, oh God. If anything, because of your humbleness to turn your life and say, God Almighty, we're not going this way. God says, I will bless you, and I will now start blessing your seed. You're part of the reason God can bless them. Could you just come up here and stand with me a minute? I don't see any foreigners, aliens, non-saved. Everybody in here is saved. It's like I don't even get to preach salvation. And, and, and Jimmy can just sit on the front there. She don't have to stand. But we're just going to have a, a consummation of prayer here. I love what I see God doing in this young man. You know what? He's going to jump off your shoulders and, and go for it. 
And thank you, that's what you want. See, real dads don't want their sons to go through the mud. They'd rather go through the mud, stand on top of it, and let their sons jump off their shoulders. You're about to experience some great things. He's a good drummer, too. Last time I was here, he couldn't even carry a rhythm. <laughs> no. <laughs> you could. You were going, bom, bim, bim, bom, bim, bim. <laughs> but man, he's awesome. What's your first name? Christine. Yes. Mike and Christine? That's what I thought. And you're Mike and you're Christine. <laughs> I do that. I love this guy. He greeted me. He hugged me. He made me feel like a man of God. Even a year or two ago when we were here, brother. Thank you for that. He's a good man. What's your name, sir? Bill. Hi, Bill. Good to see you. Hi, man, I love Bill. This is a girl that God keeps healing. Keeps increasing her life. Going to make her life more and more valuable and precious and godly and awesome. How old are you now, baby? I ain't calling you baby anymore then. Because there's two reasons. Two reasons. One, if they're 12, they don't like to be called babies. And when they get over 12, you don't want to be, as a pastor, calling some chick baby. <laughs> You're so beautiful. God, I speak favors on her personally. So many divine favors. I mean, God, favors. We're going to talk about them more tomorrow night. But favors that just totally, oh, man, just shock everybody around her. <laughs> Thank you for favors. Jimmy. Thank God for favors that will keep you powerful, productive, strong in the spirit. Being used of God to tackle demonic powers and bring them down for other people. Thank God for a woman of strong prayer and intercession that he won't let you fizz out and fade out. He's going to increase your ability to know him like you never have before. <laughs> I love yelling. For the Lord, thank you, Beth, for what God's about to do through the rest of your entire family. We have a God that loves to reverse even the tendencies or the processes or even the cycles. And the enemy comes to precious men and women like Ink and Beth, and he tells them, well, your family, and we're going to do this, and, and I've had my hand against them this whole time. And you know what? That cycle's about to break. They're going to see some divine. Okay, I'll just give you the verse, Luke 21, 13. God says, I am going to take all these things of tribulation, persecution, harassment from the enemy. I will turn them. I will turn them into occasions of testimony. And God, I thank you for loving this family until they have many, many, many testimonies of the glory of God. God loves every color of hair there is, even purple. <laughs> she walked down the aisle a while ago. I thought it was Joanne. And I said, no, not purple, not Joanne. Not the Joanne I know. <laughs> awesome. Eric, you don't know how much Helen and I have learned to love you. Sir, your, uh, your determination to walk for Jesus and to love your family and to even bring others to Jesus. Hebrews 6.10 says, the Lord says this to you today. 
I will not ever forget your labor of love which you've given to the saints and to others. And you still do. And the way, when God says, I will not forget, that means he's about to bring rewards. You're not even doing it for that reason. But God says, you just tell him, I can't stand it anymore. I'm going to have to start blessing him like never before. Wouldn't you like to have God so pleased that he just can't stand not to bless you? Let's raise our hands to him, and then we'll, I'll turn it over to Pastor. Father God, I want to thank you that every one of us are candidates. I mean, we're qualified, not because of our works, not because we, we uh, uh, are doing good in our walk, but because Jesus has made us all worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of all the saints. And God, we're qualified now to start receiving divine favors. And even before I'm able to minister more revelation on it tomorrow night and people start getting, uh, kicking it in and receiving it, God, I want to thank you. Favors will come to them tonight and before they even get here tomorrow. And I praise you that they'll bring other people that need some favors. They need some things God does for them that is so miraculous they'll be shocked. God, I thank you for favors being released. You said to bring the message of favors to this church. And that your favors are for life, abundant life. And you will never run out of them, Father. And I want every one of you tonight, before I turn it to Pat, I want you to say in your own words, Father, I don't, it doesn't matter what I've been. It doesn't matter where I've been. It doesn't matter what's happened to me. I am one of those, and I will receive your favors. I will receive every favor you have for me, God. I will not turn it away. I will not get religious and say I don't deserve it, God. I receive your favors tonight. You need to be like Mary in the Bible. The angel said, you found favor with God. You're highly favored. And before the angel left, she said, whoa, don't leave yet. I receive that and bring it into my life. I bring it into my life. The favors of God shall be upon me. In the name of Jesus. Pastor, come on. We love you, God. And by the way, some of you are going to receive favors, and it's going to trickle no, it's going to do more than trickle. It's going to flow into some of your family members that even right now despise God, maybe even hate God. Maybe even don't. You're going to find out that the favors that God gives you is about to become very effective with your whole house, wherever they are. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Can we thank God for the word that he gave through his minister? Just give him a, the Lord an applause tonight. Thank you for the word. Lord, we receive it with gladness. Thank you, Lord. We receive you guys. I said that at the beginning, and just as you're playing, man, what a gift she is back here. Isn't she awesome, sweet Helen? Um, there's just an, there's an anointing that flows uh, just even as she's playing. Uh, it's no secret that in the Bible we know that David, when he played, it would, uh, it would calm Saul and, and the distressing spirit that was there. There's, there's peace that just flows out. So thank you for your gift. Thank you for the ministry. Um, we have two more nights. Two more nights. So, you know, you're kind of thinking, well, you know, it's, it didn't seem like it. That was an hour. That went by quick. You guys got to know, that ain't me asking. No. Two hours, exactly. <laughs> At least. At least I'm thinking, wow. You guys must receive <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. Um, the Bible does, Paul talks about, you know, receiving those who come and, and even blessing them financially. We're going to do that. As a matter of fact, Kevin's got a couple ushers. They're just going to be at the back. Kevin, we'll just have those guys at the back with baskets and on your way out. Um, what's the purpose for this? Well, one, this is how they put food on the table. 
It's how they travel from place to place. Now, they didn't have to spend a whole lot of money coming here. They live in Troutman. Still live in Troutman, right? I did have to pull over to take a nap, though. You did have to pull over to take a nap. But so, so part of this is, one, just so that they can be blessed, so that this is what they do. This is what they do. My, my son, Gabriel, always says, Dad, if you don't preach on Sunday, does that mean you don't have to work that week? <laughs> right. But this is what this is. God uses them as they travel around the United States, so it enables that. But again, it's just a blessing for you guys because you got to live, you got to eat. So, yeah. Helen needs some pretty shoes. You guys have been generous. <laughs> There's even some churches we go to that can't even bless us. Yeah. It does. It does. So we have the ability to do that. If you did not come prepared tonight, we have two more nights. And I uh, just want to encourage you to do that. So God bless you. We love you. We'll see you back here tomorrow night at 7. And um, just come expectant. All right? All right. You're dismissed.